Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Three. The number that we look so fondly up at the rafters at. Three. The number of championships this great organization has. Three. The amount of wins this team is from winning an NBA championship. Who would have thought? I did. I've been told y'all all season, man, this was going to happen. <clears throat> That's a lie, kind of, because if y'all haven't seen what I've been posting on Twitter uh, earlier, actually not even earlier, before the season started in the preseason, the Great Believe Network asked all the NBA hosts uh, their NBA Finals predictions, and your boy said Heat versus Nuggets, uh, actually said Heat in six, so I'm going to keep that prediction. But, well, obviously, feeling pretty good about that prediction as of now because here we are in the finals, Miami Heat versus Denver Nuggets. Uh, but I'm pretty sure if someone wanted to embarrass me, they could find countless receipts from out this incredibly mediocre regular season while I was very critical of the team. But nevertheless, here we sit, that great three number of wins away from the NBA championship, and I'm super excited. So welcome back to Believe in the Miami Heat. As always, I'm your host, Anthony DiNardo, brought to you by the Believe Network, and I've had a very busy week. Uh, aside from just, you know, my favorite team that I am a diehard uh, fan for being in the NBA Finals, uh, them making the championship has been great for business. Uh, if y'all haven't seen, I also posted a little compilation on Twitter of how my last week's been. Believe ha uh, helped set me up to go on a radio tour nationwide. We went everywhere from Atlanta to Oregon, where I told them to trade us, Damian Lillard, uh, to Las Vegas, where I told them that the Panthers would win in four, and we sit here down two nothing, uh, to Wyoming, to everywhere, even Colorado. We went in enemy territory to do a radio show. So we're super t uh, dope talking Heat basketball, but most importantly, preaching about the Heat culture from the West Coast to the East Coast so everybody knows what we got going on. Great promo for me, great promo uh, for the network and this podcast. So it was really cool doing that. If y'all haven't seen, go check out my uh, my clip on Twitter and you can see all the radio shows I've been on and check out their podcast if you want to go find the links and such. But it's really cool. Uh, and shout out to Believe for letting me do that. So I am a little annoyed though. By the way, I should give some context to this episode. Uh, the series is 1-1. I'm recording this on Tuesday night. That's June 6th. Uh, I don't know if it'll, this episode will be up tonight or tomorrow on Wednesday. But today is June 6th. Tomorrow is Wednesday. I am a little annoyed because, as I've mentioned a couple times previously, I will be in Chicago for games three and four, which is unfortunate because, one, I can't go to either game. So if I'm going to go to a game, it'll be game six. I will try to go, but we'll see if, when that happens. And two, my flight is tomorrow. I'm going to be on a flight to Chicago for portions of this game three, meaning I probably won't be able to watch. I don't know if the flight will have TVs or internet, but it's spirit airline so i'm not hopeful i don't know i never flown spirit i haven't heard spectacular things but we'll see i mean it's the cheapest flight at the time whatever we're going to chicago plan this trip back when the thought of even making the playoffs was an uncertainty and certainly the thought of making the nba finals was a complete joke because we planned this months ago but regardless i don't care i will watch one way or another whether it's on replay or however much i'm about to see live but we got two monster games coming up in Miami as the Miami Heat steal home court advantage uh, advantage again for the, what, fourth time in four series this year. They steal one on the road. 1-1, one, one, going into Miami, I strongly believe they need to win both because it's very difficult winning in Denver, as we saw in that game two. 
It'll be tough to do it again. I don't even want to have to worry about it. But we're going to get into that a little bit later. Uh, I don't got no notes for this episode. Just kind of want to talk about things that we've seen from Game 1 uh, and Game 2 thus far. Uh, game 1 really wasn't too close. Uh, they kind of hung around in the first quarter. And then I believe, as I'll pull up the, the box score here, they got outscored in every quarter except the fourth. That's when they made their kind of little run. Uh, I think they cut it to 9 at, at one point, uh, and that's about as close as it got. Uh, I say they cut it to 9. It was really Hayward Highsmith who cut it to nine because he was the only one doing anything out there. And I had to step back for a second and, and think about what I was witnessing. Hayward Highsmith, I repeat, Hayward Highsmith, the guy who I'm pretty sure I said is not an NBA player early this year. He was carrying us in an NBA Finals game. What a, what a time to be alive, y'all. What a time to be alive. He was obviously very good that game. Gabe Vincent was always very good, uh, and so was Bam, who had uh, 26 points on 52% shooting. I thought he played very good as well. Obviously, everybody else wasn't great. We know about Kayla Marin's struggles thus far. He was sick in that game, too. Said he's feeling better now. And we know about Max Truce, who was over 10, which excited me because I knew that boy was about to light it up in game two, and that's exactly what we saw. Uh, but obviously, Jimmy Butler only had 13 points on 14 shots, which is something that was disappointing to me. And then another big talk of the town is Cody Zeller's uh, seven minutes in which he was a minus five, uh, much better than his performance in game two, which I was shocked and infuriated he even played anyways. But we'll save that talk for game two. couple of things from game one that I remember. We could start talking about the free throws. They had a season, uh, a season, oh shoot. They had a NBA Finals record low free throw attempts with only two, which was Hayward Highsmith, out of all people, the two free throw attempts was Hayward Highsmith. I believe it was. Am I crazy? Am I remembering things? No, it was Hayward Highsmith. Crazier part, uh, no Heat fans, including myself, even blamed the officiating, uh, which is something that we like to do as a fan base. And not even saying Heat fans, all fans like to blame officiating like as their first go-to because there has to be some explanation for the loss. Uh, but nah. Miami just wasn't being aggressive, particularly Jimmy Butler wasn't being aggressive, which was frustrating to me. I do have my concerns because he really hasn't had a great game uh, since him and Grant Williams got into it. So we're talking seven games ago. I know he's put up good stat lines since, but if you're watching, it doesn't look like the Jimmy Butler we saw pre-Josh Hart flopping into his ankles and taking his ankles out. I don't know if this, this play by Jimmy is related to the ankle or what. Uh, I guess that'll be remains to be seen if he'll turn it around, but... He's certainly not as aggressive. I don't know why. He wasn't even uh, much more aggressive in game two. He was very big down the stretch, hit a three, had an and one mid-range jumper. He showed up when you needed him to, but he doesn't look like the same Jimmy. And I think most Heat fans watching will agree with me. I hope he's healthy. I know there were some personal issues going on, but I hope everything is okay with him just in general uh, because they'll need him. They will need him to win this championship. I know they won game two with Jimmy not being a superstar, I don't think they can win three more games unless he is. Because through two, Nikola Jokic has looked like a superstar to the highest degree of the word. He obviously had a, a bunch of assists all around game in game one. Uh, and then game two, he dropped uh, 41 points. But only four assists. So Spo won't tell you that they were trying to make him a score. But from what I look like, they were trying to do that by sending a lot less double teams in game two and all that stuff. Uh, a little more in game one, I was frustrated that they were throwing double teams because that puts Jokic right in his wheelhouse. Uh, so obviously he kind of dominated there in the facilitating game. Uh, the zone surprisingly worked. That was another topic of discussion. You feel like Jokic is the type of guy that would eat a zone alive, especially, I give the Denver Nuggets a lot of credit for this. 
Uh, they're very well at cutting back door and, and moving without the ball, which not everybody's good at. Not every team is good at. But because they have this core of players that have been together for multiple years now, you're able to develop that sort of chemistry. And we saw that. But the zone was effective. They didn't do it much. They did a lot more in game two than they did in game one. But it was effective in both games, surprisingly. And that's a credit to the Miami Heat's defensive chemistry and also just their athletic uh you know, wing defenders that they have like Caleb and Gam, uh, Bam, guys that are very athletic and can cover a lot of ground. Even, of course, Gabe Vincent and Jimmy Butler. Even Hayward Heisman, who didn't play that much in game two. I'll, I'll check that later. But, yeah, the zone work. It's pretty good. Uh, what else can we talk about from game one? Uh, we have Bam at a bye. It was a great game. Uh, a lot of Heat fans, including myself, said the key to winning this series is Bam at a bye. We said all year, if he plays at that star to superstar level, it raises this Heat team to a tier that can be considered championship contender. We're seeing that right now. It was, for, it was a little unfortunate that he had a great game and they still lost. But I like to see it. And I wanted to see it going forward. Didn't see as much in game two, but I think that was more of a flow of the game type of thing. It didn't really look like Bam was passing up shots. But I was a little critical of Bam in game one because... A lot of people weren't pointing this out, but it's something that frustrated me. I feel like every time he drive, he does that little, you know, pick and roll going into the paint or driving baseline, I feel like he still goes up soft a lot of the time. There was that one play, I think he could have cut it to like an eight-point game or a six-point game. Uh, he was driving baseline, and instead of, and Jamal Murray was the only one in the paint for help, uh, for help side defense. That was it, just the point guard. I felt like Bam could have went up strong, tried to dunk the ball, would have either got a dunk or would have got an and one. Instead, he tried this weird double clutch layup, missed uh, missed a shot. couple plays later, same thing. This time he goes for like some weird uh, tipsy-turny reverse windmill layup. Go up and dunk the ball. We saw in game two that monster play that I think put it to double digits. Kyle Lowry, beautiful pocket pass to Bam, goes up strong with two hands, gets smacked on the arm, finishes the dunk, and one. That's what I want to see from Bam in the bio. And I feel like he's so big and so athletic that he can at least attempt to go up like that every time. I'm not saying be ja and try to jump over people and injure yourself. But if you're in the paint, if you're, if you're three, four feet out of the paint when you're jumping, go up strong with two hands and try to dunk the ball. I, I, there's, no, there's nothing bad that can come out for that, right? Because you're either going to get fouled or you're going to finish the dunk. But I don't want to get on ban for too much because he was taking advantage of the Jokic, you know, uh, fallback defense, the drop covers that Jokic was playing. He was pulling up with that uh, jump shot, and most importantly, he was pulling it with confidence. We even saw him go off the uh, backboard like D-Wade or Tim Duncan to their uh, position comparison there. It's beautiful to see. And obviously, it did not slow down in game two uh, for Bam. I still feel like he took all those looks when he had them, and he was more aggressive driving to the rim, which I loved. Uh, I think that's everything I want to talk about for game one here, uh, at least from the Heat perspective. On the Denver perspective, we obviously talked about Jokic. Uh, Jamal Murray was sensational. He was scoring from everywhere and still had the 10 assists. That dude's a bucket. Playoff Murray's a real thing. He's a big-time player. He has a lot of my respect. Aaron Gordon set the tone early. Obviously, that was one big move that Spo made from game one to game two was inserting Kevin Love into the starting lineup. You didn't see Gordon use his size to dominate. Uh but he did uh, in game two when Caleb Martin was on him. He got switched on to Gabe a lot, just bullying his body into the paint, backing down with a with a purpose, going up strong. Uh, I don't like Aaron Gordon. Obviously, he's a bum for life. Uh, said he was going to jump over Taco Fall, got his nuts on his head. Uh, instead, wanted a, and got a nine from D. Wade, obviously. Said he wanted a 10. 
uh, you didn't do the dunk that you said you were going to do, Aaron Gordon. You literally hit the dude Taco Fall on the back of his head. You did not jump over him. That dunk's not a 10. Uh, and obviously, he uh, had a lot of hate towards D-Wade. He even wrote a stupid-ass diss track on him. Uh, and obviously, D-Wade's our guy. So we don't respect you, Aaron Gordon. But I respect you play that game. Now, obviously, uh, later in that game, they did uh, focus more on putting Jimmy Butler on him so he didn't body as much. But he still set the tone early. I felt like he had a good game. Uh, that's something that I want to see Bam do, man. Just back on that conversation a little bit because even in game two, we saw Bam have Pope on him, or we saw him have Jamal Murray on him, or even back to the, the Celtics, he had Derek White on his back. Bam doesn't dribble with a purpose. He doesn't put his back, do a power dribble, and get to the rim, do a drop step dunk on their head. I want to see that more from Bam. If Aaron Gordon is able to do that on Caleb Martin, Bam should be able to do that on Jamal Murray, and we don't see it. A lot of times, he'll either pass it out or do a, a fadeaway. You should never do a fadeaway on the point guard when you're 6'9", Bam. That's just how I feel. But you played well that game, Bam. Uh, and so far, you are the finals MVP if the Heat do win this series. Uh, it is no doubt about it, you. Moving on to game two, the Heat get up early. Shout out to Max Truce, as I was saying. Y'all know he's my guy. I knew he was going to bounce back. Had like 12 in the first uh, quarter even. Might have had four threes in the first quarter. Played very well. Kevin Love started. Uh, numbers don't jump out the box score because he only played 21 minutes, but still had 10 boards. Six, uh, six points, 10 boards in 21 minutes. Not too bad at all there. Uh, so we, you got Max Struess, Gabe Vincent with another great game. Uh, we talked about Bam. Jimmy was solid. Said he came up big down the stretch, but still not as aggressive. But the interesting part to me about this game is literally every single buddy, every single person in the starting lineup was a plus. Every single person from the bench was a minus. And obviously, that's flip-flop when you go to uh, the Denver side. This is a positive because your starters play most of the game, so you like to see that. But where I'm concerned is a guy like Jokic, for example, who played 42 minutes, was a minus 11. So when you're talking about a guy that played nearly the entire game, was a minus 11, meaning when he was on the court, which is almost the whole game, they got outscored by 11. But yet the game was still pretty close. That's a little concerning to me. A little fluky. Denver hit like back-to-back threes at the end to kind of do a little bit of uh, dressing there to kind of dress it up a little bit, the score, make it look a little nicer. Uh, although they did have a chance to tie, which thank God that shot didn't go in. Jamal Murray, you are a star. Thank you for not making that shot, though. Uh, but just more on the game. He got, he got off to a good start. Denver went on a 40-14 to 14 run, I believe. Uh, I didn't think it was over, but I thought uh, they looked relatively unstoppable at that point. Uh, believe it to this Heat team, most double-digit comebacks uh, in playoff history, I believe. I think they're up to like seven or eight now. Uh, something crazy like that. Y'all know the, the stat. They're probably now like... 11 and four in double digit comebacks or, or something like that this postseason, which is just nuts. Uh, what else can we talk about from this game? Uh, oh, I guess we could talk about the run they made back. A lot of this run was made when Jimmy Butler was on the bench to start the fourth quarter. And who was it that came through other than Duncan Robinson? Who, who had Duncan Robinson 10 point fourth quarter to lead them come back in the NBA finals on their bingo card? Because if you did, you're sitting pretty right now. Let me tell you, listen, I was, uh, for those of y'all that don't know my history of fandom with Duncan Robinson, he was my favorite player in the league a couple years ago because he's a shooter. You know, I, I consider myself a shooter when we play basketball stuff. Uh, and I like to see his story. Came out of nowhere. And literally, on top of all that, he quite literally had arguably the greatest shooting season of all time. The most efficient sh- uh, three-point shooting season of all time. He was awesome. 
one of the most fun players to watch the way he'd get hot and hit 9, 10, 11 threes. Uh, really, really awesome stuff. Then he got paid, had a subpar year. I fought for him. I said he would turn it around. The next year, which I think is this year, uh, not playing that good at all again. Uh, and I kind of stuck by him, uh, said he'd turn it around, never turned it around. Uh, I really jumped off the Duncan Robinson bandwagon, I think, after his first playoff game last year, actually, because got to the playoffs, I said, Duncan's going to turn it around. Went 7-8 from 3 versus Atlanta in the first playoff game. I'm standing on my high horse saying, I told you, I told you, I told you, Duncan is him. Duncan Robinson, him. No, Duncan Robin, him. I don't know. You get what I'm trying to do. But point is, he sucked the rest of the playoffs, so none of that matters, right? So I went into this season not, not feeling so great about Duncan. He obviously was shooting like 33% from three, which is just abysmal, disgusting, atrocious. When you consider you're paying a guy $90 million to shoot the ball, and uh, he's shooting 33%, which is way below like league average, uh, especially for shooters. It was terrible. Get to the playoffs, though. Has a great series versus Milwaukee. Not as good against the Knicks, but another great series versus Boston. And here we are in the NBA Finals, and he carried you to a game to win. The shot that he had on Jeff Green, I think, uh, his second three, where he literally just isoed him up, stood there from like 30 feet, saw that he had maybe a foot and a half of space and said, screw it, we ball, and pulled, nothing but net, started screaming, had the layup, started flexing, which you look a little little foolish, I'm not going to lie, I don't really know what you flexing, Duncan Robinson, that's coming from a guy like me who has no muscles, that's why I wear hoodies in every video, that's actually not why, I'm just too lazy to, to change whatever else I had on previously, but... I love Duncan Robinson's last game. I love the confidence. And for a guy that I've said a lot is weak, you know, uh, has a weak mentality because he said it himself with the imposter syndrome. He also said on his podcast, which I was an avid listener to when he was still doing it. Uh, he said on his podcast that the pressure came once he got paid because he felt like he had a contract to live up to. I mean, who am I to sit here and say that's stupid because I never got paid like that. But I would feel like the pressure would be before you're paid. Now that you got paid, you got all the bread. You got the guaranteed money. Why are you stressed? But regardless, he, he was great in that game too. So I hope he can keep it up going forward. Uh, and like I said earlier on uh, some other podcasts and stuff, including my own, uh, the key to success is to get a aggressive BAM, superstar Jimmy, and at least two of the three role guys. We know they're not role guys. Jimmy had one of my favorite quotes of all time. He said, they're not role players. They're teammates because everyone has a different role every night, which is just spoken beautifully and absolutely true. But still, one of those others, uh, you need at least two of them. Uh, and of course, that game, you got Struess and you got Duncan, but you also got Gabe Vincent for the second game. So because you got three of those guys playing very, very well, that allowed you to uh, to not have as great a performance from Jimmy. But I still give Jimmy uh, credit for showing up big down the stretch. Uh, Cody Zeller infuriated me. We already talked about him, but I want to mention it again because he sucks. Uh, I can't believe we're sitting here in the NBA Finals uh, playing Cody Zeller minutes. Listen, people say, oh, well, you got to give Bam a rest. I understand that. Jokic played 42 minutes. Bam played 40. There's no reason that Bam can't play just as much, if not more minutes than uh, Jokic, right? So that's two more minutes you could have shaved off of Cody Zeller right there if you just played Bam another two. And I would have liked to see Kevin Love just play maybe another four minutes. Kevin Love only played 22 minutes. He was effective. He was a plus in the in the plus minus. Uh, he was a plus 18, as a matter of fact, the second highest plus minus on the team. Point is, there's no reason to play uh, Cody Zeller. All right, there's, there's no reason. I don't get it. I didn't even think he was going to play in game two, but he did. 
So I could sit here and say, no way he plays game three. But Noah Spo, who knows? Uh, Kyle Lowry also has some big buckets down the stretch. So although he was a minus uh, 15, I give him credit. Uh, I don't like to keep talking about the plus minus unless it fits my narrative because I get that it's a fluky stat. Guys can get hot on either side of the ball and can mess up that whole stat. But too many times Kyle Lowry does, you know, rookie mistakes where you jump in the air without knowing where you're going to pass it. Uh, takes wild shots. I don't understand how he's the high IQ championship point guard, but whatever. He was fine that game. They'll need him too going forward, especially if Jimmy Butler is not himself for whatever reason. From the Denver side, they decided, just like I said I would on the BetQL network, those guys had me on, shout out to those guys, I told them to uh, take the role players under because I think that the Heat were going to double Yo- or double Jokic less, uh, force him into a score as best as possible, and kind of focus on the other guys. We saw that Michael Porter only finished with five points, Pope only with six, uh, and even Jamal Murray only had 18, uh, but he did have a couple threes down the, down the stretch to kind of even get up to that total. Uh is there anything else on the Denver side I want to talk about? They kind of did a good job limiting Aaron Gordon. We talked about how that was a lot, uh, a big reason because they started Kevin Love. He wasn't just able to body his way to the paint. Uh, I think that's all I really want to say about these two games. So I'm not feeling great. I will be honest with you because I feel like everything Denver has done has been sustainable. Uh, in game one, everyone says, okay, we could live with it. Or Heat fans said, we can live with it. We shot terrible. Denver shot worse from three in game one. So that's not really a great excuse. Game two, you could say, hey, we won. I say, hey, you shot like almost 40. Oh, no, they shot 49% from three if you round up. Uh, and Denver only shot 39%, which is still good. Uh, but when you shoot 49% from three and you barely win, it's a little concerning to me. You can't really look at these stats on the surface as I'm doing right now because uh, there's so there's just so many limitless factors that change from game to game. Uh, and so many variables that could make all of that irrelevant. But it's just concerning to me because Denver, it's, it's less about what I think about Miami and more about what I think about Denver. Their offense, when clicking, is like a well-oiled machine. Uh, and better offense will always beat better defense. I believe in that. Uh, especially when Miami is doing zone and doing the thing. If Denver continues to cut the right way. They had a lot of mental mishaps in game two. I actually like Michael Malone. I, I, I trust their their coach. I think they'll pick up a lot on a lot of that. So I don't want to sound too negative. I don't want to sound too pessimistic. But Heat fans need to just uh, relax a little bit. Uh, Denver's a very, very good team. This is not going to be a short series. Uh, and and if Miami, if Jimmy Butler specifically doesn't step up, uh, I think they could be in trouble. Uh, and that's just out of respect for the Denver Nuggets. I'm not saying the Miami Heat can't keep up their hot shooting. They've been doing it all playoffs. But I don't. But at the same time, I don't want to rely on shooting 49% from three as the reason we win games. I think you should want to rely on something more sustainable, uh, like getting to the rim, attacking the basket. Uh, they got their free throw attempts up in game two, not by a lot. Jimmy specifically only had five attempts, uh, and Bam also only had five attempts. But uh, there's so many different facts from game to game, like I was saying. We'll have a lot more information after games three and four. Uh, I want to have an episode up after those. I'll be in Chicago till Sunday, but I will be watching one way or another. So we'll try to get an episode out uh, at some point when I get back. I'll still try to go to the game six. By that point, we'll have a an idea if there will be a game six by then. Uh, we'll also have an idea if Tyler Hero will play. I don't want to talk about him too much because I don't want to talk about him just for him to not play. There's been all kind of conflicting reports where he's ahead of schedule. He's playing game two. He's out for game two. He's playing three. His hand hurts. Like, I don't care. 
the main reason I want him to come back is just because I want Kyle Lowry to play less. And if Tyler Hero doesn't work, I don't think I think Spo will have a quick trigger and just take him back out because he doesn't want to mess up what they have going on. Uh, Tyler said as much too, which I get. It, it makes sense. But if Tyler Hero does come back, uh, if he's healthy, I think he can be effective just because uh, he's very good in that mid-range area, which is, of course, open a lot of times with Jokic playing that drop coverage. Uh, but if Tyler Hero does get confirmed to play, uh, which by today, he was ruled, uh, uh, he wasn't cleared yet today, Tuesday. He could be cleared by tomorrow, game day, uh, but we'll see. If he is cleared, uh, we'll come back to talk about that on a future episode. But that's all I got, man. Let's just enjoy this fact that the Miami Heat are three wins from the finals and not take away, uh, not not take for granted how, how an amazing this postseason run has been. I don't think it'll truly hit me or any of us how unreal this has been until a few years from now when we start looking back at the receipts we all said about how bad this Heat team is. They need to blow it up. Some even said, Trey, Jimmy, I might have bought into that for certain reasons and such. Uh, but this has been fun. This has been awesome, man. And, and I want nothing more than for them to close out this this uh, series because I think about how awesome that'd be. Think about what it'd mean for Jimmy Butler, a guy that we all love, uh, considering where he came from to that point, just just the pinnacle of his profession. It'd be really cool to see. Uh, and also just the, the improbable run uh, to cap off that would just be magical, just like the rest of the season. But... We'll see y'all next episode. We will have a ton to talk about, but I appreciate y'all for tuning in. As always, I am on the YouTube side. Just search Anthony DiNardo. Uh, or if you're already on the YouTube, we're on all podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify. Those are linked down, befo- uh, down below. So I'll see y'all on one of those platforms next time. Y'all take it easy. Pull up in the city, trying to get that dead fast. Do it on my own, I don't need no dead weight. Had to kill them off, yeah, I need Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.